My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Lift up your voice, giving praise and glory and honor, for he is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be exalted. The Lord has blessed us. He has been with us through thick and thin, through every crisis, through every trial. He has walked with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And because of that, we have feared no evil, for we have sensed and know that the Lord is with us. And I'm so thankful for that and appreciate all of you joining us. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That is the word of the Lord for us this evening. We need to remember that no matter what day, how tragic, how difficult it is, God has made it for our good. And he can make all things work together for the good of them that love God and to the called according to his purpose. And that promise is ours, and I believe that God will fulfill it in our lives. Remember that the online revival continues tomorrow night at 7 p.m. with Brother Greg Kuhn, and then on Friday night at 7 p.m. with Brother Greg Godwin, and then we'll be back here on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. I'll be preaching and then Sunday evening at 6 p.m., we have the panel discussion between Brother Art Wilson, our goodwill ambassador to the United Nations, and Brother Lee Stone King. Tremendous insights about what we're going through right now, and I believe that it'll be thought-provoking and, and heartwarming as well. So tune in 6 p.m. at Sunday evening. I want to continue my teaching on the home Bible study and I just want to share with you some of the insights. We, during the panel discussion on Thursday night, talked a little bit about home Bible study and how important and how valuable it can be. But I want to share with you how I teach a Bible study and kind of what my focus is and what my purpose is. Because the Bible is a vast book and there's a lot of thoughts and there's a lot of avenues and tributaries that you can go down in order to be able to teach and, and instruct people the word of God. But I want to keep that focus centered on Jesus Christ and centered on what I want them to know, what I want them to believe, and what I want them to do. And so those three concepts are the concepts that drive my home Bible study. I, wanna, I want them to know certain things. I want them to believe certain things. And I also want them to do certain things. And uh, th these are concepts that are driven by the scripture. As a matter of fact, Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. Be made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It's important that we know God. And Paul also talking to the Ephesians, 
declare the eyes of your understanding being enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. So there are some things you need to know and they are important. They are important for your walk with God and for your salvation. And then, of course, the Bible says in the book of John, these things are written that ye may believe. And so there are things that are written in this text that if they are spoken with authority and power and anointing, they can provoke faith. Now faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There are some things you need to believe. You need to find out what you believe. And I believe that what you believe should be found and discovered in the word of God. It's very important that what you believe is in the book. And then there are some things that I want you or them to do. And, and the Bible teaches us that we are not supposed to be hearers of the word only. We are to be doers of the word. So that is a scriptural concept. None of these concepts are something I generated on my own, but they are concepts that are throughout the scripture and they are vitally important to our salvation. As a matter of fact, Jesus said that if you uh, know my commandments and you do them, then you're like a man who builds his house upon a rock. And even when the storm comes, it cannot take your house down because it's built on a solid foundation. So there are things that you need to do. Now, I, uh, everything that I'm teaching in the Old Testament is simply to let them know that what we believe and what we teach is in the Bible and they are historical facts. We're not just teaching something that we came up with or we think. It is historically proven and most scholars will admit that what we teach about the new birth being Acts 2.38 is definitely the way the early church preached and taught. They don't feel that it's as important today as it was back then, but I teach differently. I believe that it is just as important right now as it was then, and nothing has changed. We just need to bring the early church, the New Testament church, up to date into the 21st century, and that's exactly what our church needs to be, is a New Testament church, and we need to preach according to what Jesus taught his disciples to both teach and to do. And so by the time I get to the Great Commission, the Great Commission is an awesome thing, and so many people limit the Great Commission to just go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Well, that's not really what the Great Commission is. That's a part of the Great Commission, but the Great Commission tells you and gives you all of the elements of everything that is vital to a New Testament church. First element is faith. We talked about that last week. And I'm going to go through these very quickly so I can get through all of the slides. Repentance and water baptism and the Holy Ghost and teaching. There's value in teaching the Word of God. Jesus told his disciples to teach. Whatsoever I have commanded you to observe all these things and to teach them. And then, of course, the healing and the supernatural signs are just as much a part of the Great Commission as any of these other elements. And so you cannot dissect it and say, well, this is important and this is not important. And we've done that for years, and that's the reason why you have so many schisms 
in different denominations is because they only want to emphasize one or two of these facts. But we believe that all of them are valid and every one of them are in action at work right now in a New Testament church. We believe that there's going to be faith, there's going to be repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name, the Holy Ghost, teaching, healing, and supernatural signs. And that there is just nothing like the Word of God. The church was born on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and that's when the Holy Ghost was poured out, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. And I consider that to be a very powerful truth that I want to bring home to their heart because I want them to know that what I'm preaching is what Jesus taught and that what I am declaring and I'm expecting them to do is what Jesus expects them to do. And I want to show them in the word of the Lord where Jesus told his disciples to do this and to, and to teach this. And so uh, it's very simple once they see that what I'm uh, teaching them is exactly what Jesus taught them and told them to do. And so the first new covenant sermon, God's plan for us, I believe that Simon Peter did have the keys to the kingdom. I believe that he unlocked it not only for the Jewish people, but for also the Gentile people when he preached the gospel to the household of Cornelius. And I believe that, that same, uh, those same keys still unlocked the same gate and opened up the same treasure and pour out the same spirit just like it did on the day of Pentecost. And he preached that magnificent message. And I tell you, I don't know of any message anywhere in the Bible or anyone who, who has preached that is more uh, powerful than the message that was preached on the day of Pentecost. Simon Peter used prophecies from the Old Testament, so it's all right to preach from the Old Testament because that's exactly, that was the only place he could take his text is from the Old Testament. And he said that uh, what you see and what you have experienced here today is nothing more than what the uh, prophet Joel prophesied and declared would come to pass. He even preached from Psalms to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. But everything he taught was to get people to know that Jesus Christ was not dead in a tomb. But Jesus is alive and he is resurrected. And that same Jesus has filled us with the Holy Ghost. And, and Simon Peter preaches with such power that it convicted people's hearts. And I believe that if a Bible study is taught well, sooner or later, I don't know what lesson or what slide or where it's going to be, but somewhere God is going to convict their heart because they're going to realize they didn't do this. They haven't believed this. They haven't done what Jesus told them to do. And so they're going to feel conviction and they're going to need somebody to tell them what to do. All of our preaching and, and teaching should help people know what they need to do. And I want to know what I need to do to be saved. 
And first of all, I don't want to be teaching them something that's not true or that's not in the scripture because that's not going to save them and it certainly isn't going to save me because I've got to give an account for everything that I teach and everything I require of people to do, I am going to have to give an account for that. But I do not want to take away from the word, nor do I want to add to the word. But I want to preach the word and, and believe and expect people to do exactly what the Bible says. And so when Peter uh, began to preach his message, he told him what to do. He said, men and brethren, what shall we do? So that's a scriptural concept. I want them to know, I want them to believe, and I want them to do. And he says, repent. And so I ask people to pray. I ask people to say, Father, forgive me. And I, I want people to repent because I believe that it's very powerful and very important. Repentance is experiencing sorrow and conviction over past sins and turning away from future sin. Listen, nobody can save themselves. You can't do enough self-help in order to be able to deal with your sinful nature. It's too addictive. It's too impulsive. It's got too many flaws built in. And so we were born and shaped in iniquity. But I'm so glad that Jesus Christ made it a way where our sin no longer has to hold us captive. Not just sins of the past, but our sinful nature. I'm not just interested in dealing what I have done, but what my nature is capable of doing. I want to deal with the very nature itself. That's the reason why you need more than repentance. Repentance uh, needs to be something more than just simply a decision that I want to get better and I want to improve and I don't want to do this. And, and, and a lot of times I'll pick it, Brother Ronnie Albright, and I said, I don't want to slap Ronnie anymore. And, and you know, I'll, I'll do things like that. Uh, but, you know, that's not, that's not what we're talking about only. Yes, that's a part of it, but that's not what the only thing we're talking about here. I've got a nature and I've got to deal with that nature. And the only way to deal with that nature is to bury it in water baptism in Jesus' name. So that's a very vital importance. Uh, as a matter of fact, the word of the Lord declares, John the Baptist preached repentance. John the Baptist preached repentance. If we could go back to the former slide and let's hold it there for just a second. John the Baptist preached repentance. Jesus preached repentance. And so if John the Baptist, who was the greatest prophet to ever live, preached repentance, Jesus preached repentance. The man who had the keys, who was the apostle Peter, preached repentance. I think it's a pretty important subject. And I think that I need to be preaching the same powerful message of repentance. It's a part of the Great Commission that repentance would be preached in Jesus' name beginning at Jerusalem, but it wouldn't stop there. You see, everything that Jesus said and the apostles said, this is where it starts, but they never did say where it stops. And for anybody to try to go to anywhere in the New Testament and say it stops at the end when the apostles died and all of that, that's just... That's just ripping the very power of the gospel out of the Bible. 
Because the word of God declares very plainly that what my Jesus has started, he can also finish it. He is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. Now y'all better watch out. I'm going to start preaching up in here because this is the message that will save people. This is the message that Pensacola needs to hear. This is the message that the whole world needs to hear. And it's a powerful word of repentance. And yes, we need to preach it. And we need to preach it with authority. And we need to preach it with, with the power and the love and compassion that anybody can come and be saved. I like what 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And of course, uh, Jonah preached repentance to the city of Nineveh, and they repented, and God saved them, even though they were heathen and Gentile. And that lets me know that God gives respect to a heart of repentance. And that's more important than what I'm doing, is what does God respect and what will God honor? Because I could repent, I could pray, I could stand on my head. But if God doesn't honor it, it's not going to help me. But if God by his grace has promised through his word that he would honor a true heart of repentance and even do so by Jonah preaching to a heathen nation and they repenting in that city, that wicked city of Nineveh repented and God honored it. And if God will honor their repentance, he will honor your repentance. You just have to do it. You have to know it. You got to believe that he will honor it, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then you got to do it. And that's the key that makes all the difference in the world. Water baptism is a part of the teaching and preaching and ministry of John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, and the apostles. And yes, it is a part of the New Testament plan of salvation, and it is a part of what the First Pentecostal Church teaches, preaches, and this is what we do. And so this is very important information because John 3, 5, Jesus said that we're born of the water and of the Spirit. And that water is not referring to your first birth. It's referring to your second birth when you are born again by obeying and doing what Jesus taught you to do. Galatians 3.27 declares it changes our identity. That means that we are no longer people of the flesh walking after the flesh and the desires of the flesh, but we're walking a new road because our nature, our sin nature, has been buried with Christ in his death in baptism. And that is so vital. And so whenever we do call and speak the name over you in water baptism, that name is going to be the name of Jesus. Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Simon Peter in his epistle to the, the people of God of his day declared in chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, he made no uncertain terms. He did not beat around the bush. He said, baptism doth now save us. 
death to our flesh. Our flesh needs to die. Our flesh needs to die, and you cannot die to your flesh unless you are baptized in Jesus' name. Romans 6, 4, Colossians 2, 12. And the word of God goes on and on. Now, I know that some of the controversy concerning water baptism comes into, uh, is it a work? Is it a work of the flesh? And do we work for our salvation? And a lot of people say that water baptism is a work, and yet nowhere in the New Testament does God even uh, hint at that water baptism and obedience to that is a work of the flesh. Never has been a work of the flesh. It has always been a work of the Spirit. And it will never be anything but a work of the Spirit. And it takes faith to believe. Now listen to me. It takes faith to believe that if you go down in this baptistry and you are immersed in that water and the preacher calls the name of Jesus over you that all your past sins are immediately not only forgiven, but washed away. And that your nature is buried with Christ. Now that you can rise to walk in the newness of life, now that takes faith. Don't tell me that's a work. Don't tell me that's a work of the flesh. You can't even believe something like that unless God's been dealing with your heart and you've got faith in Jesus Christ. It is a work of faith. It is an operation of faith. It's the only way it'll work. I mean, that's a pretty tall statement right there to expect, to believe, to think that all that you've done is washed away. Your nature is buried with one simple act. No, that's a work of the spirit. That's not a work of the flesh. So we do not, we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Promise you, water baptism is a work of grace for no doubt about that. Now, another part of the controversy is Matthew 28, 19. When Jesus said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then when Simon Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 verse 38, he told them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then in Acts 8 and 16 again, for he as yet was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and then in Acts 19 and 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when the household of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, whatever Jesus told them in Matthew 28 and 19, the apostles knew full well what he said, and they also knew full well what Jesus meant, that the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is none other than Jesus Christ. And so, not only is it in the name of Jesus, it is also by immersion. We don't sprinkle here. If we're going to baptize people, and I've taught several people that do sprinkle and have been sprinkled when they were children, but I teach them that they need to be rebaptized. Some people say, well, I don't believe in rebaptizing people. Well, you need to read your Bible 
because in Acts chapter 19, Paul rebaptized the disciples of John the Baptist because they were only baptized under repentance. And so he wanted them to be baptized in Jesus' name and they obeyed. And because of that, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't believe that your salvation is going to be true if you don't obey the word. And so it's so vitally important that you do that. And so we believe in, in, in by immersion, Acts 8, 38, and this is where I take people to, to let them know that they should be immersed in water. He commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Therefore, we are, Romans 6, 4, we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. And now why tarriest thou? Arise, be baptized, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord, Acts 22 and 16. And so uh, this is the, the very essence of what we teach and what we preach. And, and when we understand the power of the name of Jesus, that the devil doesn't respect anything but the power of the name of Jesus. And, and sickness doesn't recognize anything but the, the power of the name of Jesus. And there's no way that you can walk into a bank and access your account by any title that you hold in your life, whether you're the president of this or the CEO of that or the son of whoever or you're the dad of this or you're the husband of that. It does not matter. You can only access your account, and get money out of it by the authority of your name. And when you're baptized into the name you have put on Christ, you take on a new identity, his identity. And I, I want you to know that I am a Jesus name preacher, but I am a Christian. I belong to Jesus Christ. He is God Almighty manifest in the flesh. And he's the one that makes the difference. But I don't want people just to be baptized in Jesus' name by immersion in water. I also want them to be filled with the glorious gift of the Holy Ghost. And that is a magnificent opportunity. And today, you can receive the Holy Ghost. In John chapter 3 and verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus commanded for you to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then Paul proclaimed it in Romans 8 and 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ... He is none of his. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then Peter again said, This promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The gift of the Holy Ghost is for everybody. It wasn't just for the apostolic age. It wasn't just for the day of Pentecost. This promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. I think everybody ought to get the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I wish I could say everybody here could get the Holy Ghost. But you can't quite say that yet. It would be nice if, if our uh, staff could get the Holy Ghost. Amen. 
Did you feel the power of God while those musicians? That's not talent alone. That's the power of the Holy Ghost on them that brought us into the presence of the Lord. They're singing and that anointed voice was filled with the Spirit of God. And because of that, we could sense the presence of the Lord even at this time. In, a, in the midst of a pandemic. It doesn't stop God. It doesn't stop the moving of the Holy Ghost. Jesus is still Lord and he's still God and King of kings and Lord of lords. And he lives in our heart through the power of the Spirit of God. Jesus commands it. Paul proclaimed it. Peter preached it. Guess what I'm gonna do? Preach it. Now here's my question. Have you received it? What have you done about this? So this is what you know. I mean, I hope that you come to believe it. And if you will, what are you going to do about it? And I would guarantee you that if you will do what the Bible tells you to do, if you would right now where you're at, if you've repented of your sins, you can lift your hands. You can begin to worship and praise the Lord. Father, I... I praise you. Open your mouth and begin to praise the Lord and begin to glorify his name. I promise you the Holy Ghost will fall on you right now by the authority that God has given me as a child of the King. I speak the Holy Ghost upon you. You can open your mouth as you're praising God and begin to speak in a heavenly language as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance because I have experienced it and I know that many people have experienced it. And because they have, I know that it's real. And the Bible teaches it. It's the way it happened in the Bible. And it's the way it happens at First Pentecostal Church. I didn't get this from the Reader's Digest. I didn't get this from the 12th century church. I didn't get this from the 5th century church. I got this from the 1st century church. The first church. The first church is where I got this from. And it's what was prophesied by Joel. It was prophesied by Isaiah. It was prophesied by Ezekiel. And it was prophesied by Jeremiah. And guess what? Jesus fulfilled it because God is true to his promise. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that is exactly what will happen for you. And then the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Acts 2, 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then in Acts 10, 46, they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. In Acts chapter 2, we understand and, and re recognize from Acts chapter 1 that the mother of Jesus, Mary, was in and, and a part of that upper room outpouring in Acts chapter 2. The Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. And then Cornelius, that Italian bunch, his family and friends in Acts chapter 10 received the Holy Ghost. The disciples of John the Baptist, Acts chapter 19. And then Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18 and verse 39. They received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now how did they know that they received it? Because they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance. That's what will happen. That's what I do in a Bible study. I drive that home. 
and I even, I, I start all the way back in Genesis when I'm in Genesis setting all of this up. This is what I want you to know. God confused the tongues at the Tower of Babel and he also said with a, another tongue, I'm going to speak to this people and I'm going to correct what went wrong there and I'm going to use the tongue to do it again. And you know what? He did. And I thank God for the Holy Ghost because it's the power of God unto salvation. The purpose of the Holy Ghost. Why do, why do we need this? Why do we need the Holy Ghost? Why do we need to get baptized? Why do we need to believe all this? Why do we need to do it? Well, here's the purpose. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. First of all, the Spirit gives eternal life. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 53 and Romans 8 and 11. The Spirit gives eternal life. I believe with all of my heart that there is an eternal life that Jesus has given to his people. There is a place called heaven and I want to go there. And there is a place where we're gonna be with Jesus for he has prepared that place for us. But I will not leave this planet without the power of the Holy Ghost in my life. And of course, it gives you power. And that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon me to be my witnesses. You need power. Why? Because the world is very deceptive. The devil is a deceiver. And you need the power of the Holy Ghost to defeat the world, your own flesh, your own desires. There's a lot of things you need the power of God to help you with because you can't live for God by yourself. You need his power. It also teaches you everything that Jesus taught. John 14, 26, when the Holy Spirit comes, it will teach you, it will, it will instruct you, it will train you into what you need to know and in what you need to do. It will give you righteousness, peace, and joy. These are spiritual attributes that you're going to need because who in the world's going to listen to your witness if you're always mad and sad and never glad? You're not going to be very effective in any witness that I'm aware of because I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to walk away and I'm going to run from some of you because I don't want to have to fool with it. And so you just have to understand <laughs> that I, I'm, I, I believe you need some spiritual attributes. And if your life's a wreck and you can't stay out of the bars and you can't stop uh, robbing banks and all of that, well, then nobody's going to listen to your message. But you need some righteousness. You need some peace. You need some joy in the Holy Ghost. And, and you need that peace and you need that joy. And I think it's so vitally important. And it imparts the love of God. The Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, Romans 5, 5. And so we need that love of God uh, in our heart, and that is so vital and, and very, very important. And that's the purpose of the Spirit. That's the reason why God put that Holy Ghost in you, is to produce these things so that your witness can be effective. Because when your life matches your message, then it has much more power and effect on people. And that is the reason why I want you to get the Holy Ghost. That's why I want you to ask for it right now. I want you to believe. First of all, I want you to know it's available. No, it's not just for the apostolic era and it's not just for the first century church and then 
God decided and scratched his head and said, well, it's not good enough. I think we'll change up here. No, that's not the way it works. What Jesus began both to do and to teach is exactly what we need to start teaching and preaching and doing now. And I believe that if you will receive that Holy Ghost, all of these things will come to you in understanding. You will understand them. Now, Thursday night we were talking and Brother um, Brown was talking about the fact that he believes that water baptism is a test of a person's attitude and obedience. And I believe that it is so true, and I've, I, in all the Bible studies I have taught, it becomes a fact, it's a fact, that if they do not obey what you teach them in water baptism, you can't, you can't communicate any further any part of the gospel because you cannot get past a heart of disobedience. God's not going to bless a stubborn heart, and he's not going to bless a disobedient heart. And if you obey the word of God, then it opens you up to spiritual influence to where now God can give you understanding of the oneness of God and holiness and, and how to live righteous in an ungodly world. But none of these truths will make any difference to you if you don't have a heart of obedience because then if you carry it any further and get forceful and you start manipulating people, then it becomes slavery and it doesn't become a, an act of love. If, you're, if you don't obey because you love Jesus, then there's no reason for you to do anything. You, you might as well just sit at home and eat tater chips because it's not really going to help you any at all. You, you need a heart of love. It says, I love Jesus, whatever he wants me to do. When I sense that kind of spirit on people, whatever God wants for my life, that's what I want. If it's for me, I want it. If Jesus said it in his word, I want it. That kind of desire God honors and God respects that and God values that and I promise you, he rewards that. And he's gonna reward you with eternal life, with the power, with the Holy Ghost. These things are available to you, and all I ask is that you do it. Do it. Be baptized in Jesus' name, and I promise you it will change your life forever, and you will become the person that God wants you to be. And so if you would, with your families right now in your home, would you stand, and we're going to pray in conclusion, that God will pour out his spirit, that somehow these truths, and I know that I had to go very quickly because my time is limited, I'm online, it's a little different uh, format, it's a little different venue, and so I had to go quickly, but all of this takes, uh, if you will take it scripture by scripture, and everything that we've presented here, I promise you that you will see that what we have preached is not only biblical, but if you look back in history, history proves that is exactly what the church, early church did. They received the gift of the Holy Ghost. They spoke with tongues and they baptized people in water by immersion in the wonderful name of Jesus. And I want you to do that. And I want you to do that in your heart, in your life. And I want you to make up in your mind you're going to do it.
So let's pray together, and we're just going to believe that God is going to pour out His Spirit. Father, I thank you for your word and the truth that has been declared in this place tonight and the power that there is in, the, in that truth, that power to make men free, that power to liberate people from the chains that hold them captive, that power, Lord. I want that word to get a hold of people's heart and I want them to open up their mouth and begin to praise you and begin to worship you and to let the Holy Ghost fall upon them and let the Spirit of the Lord come upon them right now and they shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and they will speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them the utterance. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight. I'll see you here tomorrow night at 7 p.m. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.